In today's episode, I am chatting with Stephanie Florian, who is a mom of two boys and a widow. Uh, She lost her husband, Rod, a year ago to colorectal cancer, and it is currently Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. So we thought it was really important to share her story. She so generously shares what they've gone through, how they discovered it, all of the things that they did and where they're at today. It is a very moving, very powerful and very hard conversation, Uh, but it's so important because this is a disease that's not talked about enough. And there are things you can do uh, to make changes in your life right now. So I invite you to listen, to hear Steph's story, and to then do what you feel you can do uh, to make change or to advocate or to donate or whatever it is. But here we go. Here's Steph's story. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp, and each episode I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Steph, and welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. Thanks for having me, Jillian. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so pumped you're here. Okay, so can you start by introducing yourself, who you're a mom to, all the things? Absolutely. I My name is Stephanie Florian. I am an actor, TV host. I've been in promotions. I've kind of done a little bit of everything. I'm now a single mom, unfortunately, uh, due to my husband's passing a year ago, just last week, actually, was our one-year anniversary. And I have two boys, Cash and Presley. One is named after Johnny Cash, and one is named after Elvis Presley. And they are 11 and 16. And so we are navigating a whole new world together right now. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we really wanted to go into in this chat And the timing of why we're doing it now is because it's colorectal cancer awareness month. And that is what your husband passed from. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of a backstory is Mm -hmm. he was 42. It was 2020, October, 2020. We went to Alberta for Thanksgiving and he had started to complain of some abdominal pain and it wasn't, he didn't make it seem like it was that big a deal. He had struggled with some back issues a couple of years before. And so we got back from this trip to Alberta and he told me I'd had a doctor's appointment. So for him to book a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. for young guys, I mean, he was one of those guys that he's like, I'm healthy. I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm a perfect yeah. specimen. He's was very much like that stubborn, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm invincible. <laughs> Uh, you know, really, I'm invincible is kind right. of, I think that, you know, we all feel like we're invincible. And so we, he came back, he saw the doctor and they misdiagnosed him and said he had diverticulitis Okay. and they put him on antibiotics for a week, did nothing, nothing showed up in his blood tests. They did some blood tests, nothing showed up in his blood work. 
And he was uh, constantly so that- in pain? Like it was always like not going away? No, he just started to complain of like more uncomfortable this abdominal okay. pains. Yeah. And when I went yeah. to meet him in Alberta, he was clearly in discomfort. Mm. I was like, hey, what's going on here? Right. So I'm a force to be reckoned with when <laughs> on any day. I can imagine. <laughs> something that I'm passionate about. And he's he was definitely, you know, the yin to my yang. He was more the quiet, reserved, wise one in our relationship. He was my mm-hmm. rock. So when we came back and the these antibiotics didn't do anything, the second week I pushed for the doctor to put him on another week of antibiotics, which was my mom's suggestion because she's actually had two husbands pus from cancer. Oh my God. So I my, she was kind of my go-to uh, and her father passed when she was nine years old of, of a freak accident. So my initial was just, and she was, a, you know, going to be a nurse. So I went to my mom for some mm-hmm. questions as how to deal with this. And she said, get him on another week of the antibiotics. So I did that. And then that second week, he lost 20 pounds. I mean, here's a 250 pound dude who was a hockey player, like goalie, young, great dad, you know, just we, yeah. We were living our lives and actually COVID treated us wonderfully. We were actually getting to spend all the time together as a family that we were always too busy to do because we're, you know, both working mm-hmm. a million hours just to maintain and get ahead and try to feed our children and put a roof over our head in North Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, basically I knew something was wrong when he lost about 20 pounds in a week. No and doubt. so we... Yeah, I got the kids covered from uh, some family and we marched down to urgent care and we went into that doctor's office and I will never forget because he had no previous health issues. Nothing was in the blood work. They were, he, this doctor said, oh, it's, it's kidney stones. And so I, my back got up and I became like wife bear and (laughs) basically said, no, I know my husband. This is not kidney stones. This is not diverticulitis. We need all the scans, all the tests. And he said, well, sorry, ma'am, you can't, you can't come in here. And this is literally what happened. And so I said, no, I'm not leaving. I will not leave this office until you CT scan my husband. And it was kind of just the, like we had just gone into COVID, like it was October, 2020, right? So it was only six months into COVID. And so uh, they finally said, okay, because I wasn't leaving. And so within a couple of days, he was at Lionsgate and half an hour, not even half an hour, we walked in the door and the phone rang and our lives just changed on a complete dime, right? The doctors, it was just like everything happened so fast. It was yes, he's, he's got cancer. They found a huge mass in his colon, but then it just kept getting worse. It was no, he's got 200 nodules in his lungs. This man has never smoked a cigarette in his life. He was oh my God. Northern BC, like hockey boy. Yeah. No history of smoking or anything like that. So 200 nodules of cancer in his lungs. It was all through his spine. So it attacked his bones, his limbs, all of his lungs, and the mass in his colon was massive. So 
the doctors basically, I remember sitting in my car and having a conversation with his family doctor saying, I'm sorry, but he's not going to survive this. And this is, this is the first, like, I just found Holy out that my shit. husband had cancer. So it was not anything like, oh, you're going to fight this. We're going to do this. It was, we're going to do what we can, but he's not going to survive this. The cancer is going to win. And he, this is unbelievable that he's this far advanced yeah. with no signs. Yeah. Like they were, the doctors were floored, literally floored. And I mean, I remember having to call his mother Oh God! in that moment and our world just collapsed. Like my child was obsessed with Terry Fox. He know, these kids know, you know, yeah. what cancer means and can mean. But the problem was, is that, there was no hope from the beginning. So for did they give him a prognosis, like a timeline? Yeah, they said if you're lucky, they guessed one to two years. Okay. Um, but they said it could be less than six months. Jesus. So we had to navigate his work, right? He worked in mm -hmm. the video game industry. Um, we had to navigate just everything, like all yeah. the deals, like everything collapsed, just everything collapsed. Well, and how do you go to work? Like, how do either of you go to work with that knowledge? Like, how do you, how do you do anything? Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Well, we weren't in any, I mean, we only did our will six months before I finally said to my husband, like we had two kids, I think Cass yeah. was 14. And I said, we haven't even done our will because we couldn't agree on who should be the guardians of our children. Right. So it was this, this battle was, had prevented us from doing our will. And finally I said, like, honey, we, we got to do this. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. The kids are 14 years old and we have, and who would have known that summer, I think we did our will. we just finally did it. And have we not done that? I mean, <laughs> there's just so many layers, right. Of things, mm -hmm. but I had been doing these wellness segments for the social Right. National segment. So I was already on my spiritual path. I was already seeking things and he was pretty grounded. And, you know, he always was curious what I was looking at with my gratitude journal and, you know, all the things I was doing and through yeah. yoga, I had gone to India and I thought I had gone to India to work on the day that when my father would pass, which he has not yet. But I mean, this trip to India was calling me. I went with my dad. Rod let me go. Oh, like, I just look back in retrospect and there's so many things that were kind of preparing me for the yeah. journey that we had to go on because at this point it was, Rod wasn't going to, you know, go down easy. He was a strong fighter, you know, stubborn guy. Yeah. So his dad had had cancer four years ago and beat it with a stem cell transplant. So he was not taking right. the doctors, but the doctors were talking to me on a whole other level. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I had to hold all this information without crushing his hope. Yep. Without crushing my kids' worlds so that we could somehow have this bucket list and you know face what was ahead of us and it was the hardest thing because I knew he wasn't going to make it yeah like everybody said he wasn't going to make it and I actually had a friend in my neighborhood 
who's who lost her husband and I knew her from Ontario actually and she lost her husband not that many maybe five years ahead of us same age same cancer same doctors same everything two boys I mean the whole community of where we live here just rose to the occasion yeah. I mean the second that this got out in the community there was meal trains there was I I feel like I forever owe my life to my community because we would have never made mm -hmm. it through I mean I was working five jobs part-time like actor posted CTV I had so many jobs and Rod had the only stable job so now this the only so did the you rock in our family did you compartmentalize like how did you even go to do all of those things and keep going like how did did you just set the crisis aside when you went no I'm, I'm not like very it's... good in crisis and I honestly no. didn't think that I would ever even be able to be a caregiver because it's not in my makeup yeah I'm afraid of blood I'm afraid of needles I don't do well I panic when it comes to anything emergency crisis I am a yeah. panicker so I I remember having vaguely a conversation with him at one point where he was kind of joking with me that I would never be able to handle anything <laughs> and here I was like he we'd go into doctor's meetings and I would be the one doing the talking he was completely out of body experience like this information that was coming to him at 42 years old that you're gonna basically die <laughs> and you're gonna have to say goodbye to your kids and your wife yeah. that we he was my person he was my yeah. love of my life like it was so surreal, all the conversations that we'd have in every one of those doctor's offices, basically him feeling like he hadn't accomplished anything that he wanted to accomplish here. Um, right? Just feeling yeah. so ripped off. And so it started with, you know, we had the colon surgery and okay. that was the first hurdle. And so we got, we got, connected to some of the ama most amazing doctors because he was young he, he mm -hmm. did bump older people so they yeah. are prioritizing young right. people you well, know and even in COVID too like when so many things were put on the sidelines thank god that they you know still prioritized him they really did and they made they things happened quickly um he was on chemo we but back to the social I mean I was doing all these mm -hmm. wellness segments right. so I was very in tune with what was out there spiritually you know all the alternative stuff that was right. available aside from the western totally and the doctors yeah. do not push for any of that no they some good no. doctors are open to complimentary like going down the path at the same time I have heard you know um from when I worked at the breast cancer foundation you know there are some doctors that say do you do what you need to do on this side we'll do what we need to do on this side and we'll come together right so Dr. Yeah. Climo is actually who the oncology department at Lionsgate was named after and we were assigned to Climo yeah and Climo was amazing because he thinks outside of the box yeah but unfortunately, even with Clemo, there was mm. yeah. the same, the same thing was happening, right? We weren't, okay. we knew that something was like, we weren't, we were hitting a dead wall that okay. all the doctors did not really know what was going on. So Clemo's big thing was get this um, 
bi- not a biopsy. It was a it was called an oncohelix, okay. which was going to cost a lot of money. So we didn't have all this money. I mean, we're a young family. We're trying to make ends meet. Money's mm-hmm. always been a struggle, right? All these things, our communities helping us with meals and, and, you know, all the things. And so thankfully he had a really good plan with his work for medical. Like if it Great. wasn't for his job and his, cause I didn't have that. So mm-hmm. his medical um, was God sent hundred percent. His work was amazing and really stepped up. So I'm grateful for them, but yeah, just, um, as I <laughs> kind of go down that you go down the rabbit hole, right? A little bit. <laughs> totally. because it was just such, it was such so much going on, just yeah. so much going on on so many levels that it just felt like we were just in this hole and we couldn't come out of it. Did you and try so, some of the spiritual avenues? Oh, we did everything. We did okay, absolutely yeah. everything. We had healers coming to the house. We had, we pulled all the stops. And so Clemo was the one that was said, go get this oncohelix. Okay. Which will basically help us figure out if there's any targeted therapies out there other than the regular, you know, 5-FU. They do their just, they go to their go-tos for chemo, for colon colon cancer. And unfortunately, the doctors, doctor, you know, I'm not going to go through all the doctor's names, but um, it was, this is a very sneaky, very aggressive disease. Like it will Mm -hmm. find its way. It is just the sneakiest, most silent cancer. And it is a cancer that is basically a young man's cancer right now. It's a young person's cancer. So Mm -hmm. this is now, it's mind blowing. And we'll get into that in a second. But so we get the, we finally get the oncohelix and the oncohelix tells us, everything that we didn't want to hear. He's got every rare mutation where there's absolutely nothing like zero zip. And I'm thinking, why did we just spend what? Yeah. Three, three to $5,000 on this test that basically gave us nothing other than, Nope, you got no more hope in your, you know, so hope. And I, I mean, I, I just, if I could go back and ask him, questions like what how he was processing things in his brain I can't even imagine like I can't even imagine and he didn't even look like he was dying because he had a lot of weight to lose he was a big Mm -hmm. guy so when he lost the weight he kind of looked good right (laughs) like he didn't even look like a dying man in a way until his body started to fully deteriorate so fast it was he was skin and bone. We had oxygen tanks in here. We had, it was crazy. Like the things yeah. that he was on a walker, he started to lose, like the, the cancer started to break through the spinal cord affecting, oh. you know, his legs and mo- it just, it was so insane how quickly just insidious, he deteriorated. Yeah. Oh. Like in a year, how can you go from being this strong mountain hockey player mm-hmm. type to skin and bone and like it does it just it, it still blows my mind like it really blows my mind yeah absolutely so that was that was the only thing that really actually helped was you know we talk about couples doing therapy and nobody really mm-hmm. wants to do it because we all have married couples all have issues come on give me a break yep. right we finally, you know, through BC Cancer, had 
a, a therapist. We were in therapy together. We were talking. It made us so close. Like this intimate yeah. journey was the most beautiful gift of our relationship because I really felt like we were just so in it together. And we started working with a medium. We started who trained him to, on how to leave his body when the time was coming. Wow. Oh, we did meditations with Sonia Picard with like all my girlfriends that have been entwined yeah. in the wellness that I was really, really interested in when I was doing it for the social. So I was traveling around the world, going to the top wellness spas, sound baths. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, this, this stuff is working right? Yeah. It's working. And I believe that it's what helped him let go. And right. must have, must have, because to this day, I still don't understand how he actually did finally let go. And everything, you know, the biggest thing for me was the, the not knowing how this was progressing. And so I was extremely stressed about how much time do we have? How much longer right. do we have? What's happening? And we have no control of this. And so yeah. Klimo ended up retiring and he put Dr. Paul Sugar in our world. Okay. Okay. And Paul was the palliative doctor outside of the hospital system. So he, when he finally, you know, oh my goodness, there's just so many things that happened, like big things that happened as far as, you know, him having to have six firemen take him out of our house and bring him to Lionsgate. And then it was, they, they were ready to take him to the hospice, you know, but yeah. Paul Sugar was his advocate and he was our advocate and he knew what Rod wanted and he didn't want to die in the hospital and he didn't want to die in the hospice and he wanted to be at home with his family and with his kids. And so Paul was just such a gift he was like a father figure to me. So he put me in check. I would call him at all hours of the night. I would go walk and call and I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. He would coach me and guide me. And he was really there for Rod because I wanted him to go to the hospice because I didn't think that him passing at home was going to be okay for us afterwards for the kids. Yeah. I was really afraid of that. I was really afraid of the neighbors. We have a lot of kids on our street. Mm. I was terrified of what people would think of his body leaving the house, everything. Like it was just so yeah, it's a lot. terrifying. Yeah. And he did it his way. And Paul Sugar made sure that it happened his way. And it was beautiful. The house was full of people. We had all his favorite Elvis music playing, but it was almost to me like a um, reverse birth. It was a reverse oh, wow. birth. So wow. it was the most potent experience I've ever had. As far as actually experiencing death, I I mean, I, my grandmother passed when I was younger, but I just saw her, you know, after Right. There's, I don't have any experience like this. And I was so afraid, so fearful of yeah. this moment. And I still like, um, it's terrifying when I flash back. And so my kids, we all have these flashbacks, right? So 22 hours, 
we pushed him to the other side. It ended up being at the very last moment, like hours. It was his parents, the boys, and um, his aunt and uncle. And I mean, the house was full, but my dad, he just knew. He said, this is, it's going to be tonight. And he, you know, he slipped into a coma the last 12, 24 hours, 12, 22 hours, I think it was. But my 11-year-old, well, he was 10 at the time, I guess, had his heart hand on his heart. I saw him take his last breath. Like, we were all holding him. Yeah. But then everybody went crazy in here. Like, it was it was just out of a movie. Like, it, honestly, I work in film, and I'm like, am I in a movie scene? Or is this, <laughs> is this real? Like, it, like, what is happening right now? Like, there's so many things from that night um you know like I don't I hate to get into all those details but it's these things that you get forced to deal with like we had no choice and my thank god it was two o'clock in the morning but the neighbors heard the doors slam right like it's Presley went absolutely crazy he was hysterical absolutely hysterical and so there's all those, well, was that the right thing to do? Wasn't that the right thing to do? Now the house has all these memories, right? So, yeah. and yeah, it's just been, that was, it was a lot harder. Thankfully, my dad was here and my dad really helped. He was the one that took me to the funeral home and helped me figure out some stuff beforehand and kind of forced me like you have to deal with this stuff you have no choice you've got to go and he wasn't even gone yet and we had to do that no but you have to do that in advance for sure if you can yeah yeah if we hadn't like he my dad set it up so that as soon as it happened I had you know the funeral home to just it was like it it was an hour body experience like I don't even know what happened I don't even know how I picked up the phone how I said what I had to say I just he rehearsed it with me it was but (sighs) it doesn't change anything like I anticipatory grieved him the whole year knowing like because his parents were they're young and they they, nobody wanted to believe nobody it's like oh he's gonna make it he's gonna fight this he's gonna it's like no he's not so right like, no and I'm the only holder of this information did you have someone to talk to about that so that you weren't the only holder like were you able to share yeah, that with yeah. anyone for sure I think and, women have yeah that yeah but I also feel like that's also part of why people are getting this cancer like I do so what we know about colorectal cancer now is you know Rod was we were very opposite in our diet so he loved red meat he was a Mm. he was a country boy he liked (laughs) red meat he liked his whiskey yeah he liked you know um he drank monsters to stay awake he didn't drink (laughs) coffee he loved his coca-cola he it was a constant battle in this house because when yeah. I was at work, it's like, okay, you know, drive through with the kids on when I'm not there. And I hate to say this, but it's a sign of the times. Yeah. And this is why colon cancer and colorectal cancer is going to be the number one killer of young people by 2030 is because oh we live in this 
whirlwind life right now where we're all on a hamster wheel Mm -hmm. and we're I mean he could have been he he was under so much stress at work I was under stress like we're both trying to work to make ends meet right Mm -hmm. we're trying to be good parents we're trying to have a good marriage we're trying to do all the things and there's I I that's why I know wellness and through the journey it's like the hospital system is reactive everything's crisis management so the message now is we know that this is linked to sugar drinks it's linked to processed food it's linked to emotional stuff that's not being dealt with stress Mm -hmm. right like all the emotional stuff men don't deal with those things they don't talk about those things and not to say that and most women don't right some no. women don't some women do I do I'm just that's who I am but yeah. some, you know yoga for me is a way to just go through process like that has been what I've found to work for me as far as emotional you know Release, figuring out yeah. that stuff therapy mm-hmm. I've been in therapy since I was 15 so <laughs> yeah I have no problem talking about what's wrong in my world and trying to yeah, figure totally. it out, but a lot of people can't. Absolutely. And so when any of those three things are out of whack, you know, nutrition, exercise, mm-hmm. body, mind, spirit, yeah, then you've got disease. And this cancer is basically saying to our generation, wake the hell up. Yeah. Get off the treadmill why are you living your life like this live right now not for mm-hmm. yesterday not for tomorrow and that's what we ended up doing for the year and four months that we had right we we couldn't go anywhere because he was too sick to go do any big trips um right. we had you know one weekend getaway that was in december he died march the 6th and Jeez. we went over to Tainamara and he had a full panic attack you know in the spa I forgot Mm. the battery for the oxygen tank. Like it was just, we couldn't, (laughs) nothing was, could be exactly how you wanted it to be. Like if I wanted to go to just, let's go to Mexico for a couple of days. Let's just go. We can figure it out. And he was, the anxiety and everything got so intense that um, it was like staying close to home, doing things with the kids. He was an artist, so drawing with the kids, like finding the simple things. But then the kids were in complete denial. Mm. So the kids did not believe, even though I've, I tried to talk to both of them, like you need to be spending as much time as you can with your dad right now. We don't know how much time we have without giving them. Wow. Yeah. The, you know, he's not going to make it because to say that, I mean, I <laughs> No, like it's so hard it was so hard to hold that space to be the holder of that space because it was you know his parents they're young this is their I mean he was the family guy he was the biggest most amazing part of this huge family on his side like amazing humans and he was kind of the hero of their family right so for this I mean it was just they didn't want to believe it either right nobody wanted to believe that this was happening and I mean he didn't even 
and tell his work. I had called his work a day after he passed. He had went on disability and mm -hmm. they had no idea. He refused to let go of the fact that he was not fighting this. Wow. So that's what I, I actually hate about cancer is this whole, you know, fight, 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 mm -hmm. you're a fighter. Like, no, yep. that's, that's not how it works, actually. Well, and even the term survivor, I know, is so triggering for some because then they feel like, so are you saying I just didn't fight hard enough if I'm not a survivor, right? Like, yeah, it's, you know, and it's, it's not your fault. Like, it's, it's very just... triggering. I was at an Oscar party on the weekend and I, a woman I was talking to lost her brother-in-law, you know, recently. And I, and then she told me she's a cancer survivor. And I just broke down and I said, why did you make it? And he did it. Why? That's <sighs> to me, like we did everything. He changed like, so uh, on, upon his diagnosis, he went cut out sugar, cut out booze, went totally green nothing but vegetables vegan yeah. all of it but it, I knew it was like too late honey like you're doing it too late I've been nagging you on your diet for how many years it's too late that's why the message out there is even my kids my kids they don't listen they can they saw yeah. what happened and there's still candy wrappers in the room I didn't buy them well that. society doesn't support it right like society just has these temptations and these things and this ease this convenience right like it's got all this stuff in there that it it doesn't make it you have to be so intentional and you know an 11 year old a 16 year old aren't going to be intentional about their nutrition like it's just not going to happen right it's surrounding them it's but they have linked colorectal cancer to your preteen diet of course yeah that's one thing that's just recently come out. It is very linked to sugar drinks. Yeah. It is very linked to meat and processed foods. Um, the colon, if you do the whole like Louise Hay, you know, you can heal your life. The colon is repressed anger. Right. So, I mean, there's just, there's, I just, for me, I really feel like there was 200 blue flags put in front of the White House this month. 200,000. Mm -hmm. Chadwick Bosman's wife's there. Doesn't matter yeah. how much money you have. America's way more of a processed food nation than we are. Yeah. But we're catching up. And it's it's really hard to break this cycle because nobody has any time. You don't even have time to go visit a friend or I mean, even people that, you know, Rod was expecting to see that you know, he would have wanted to spend time with, nobody has time. No. So then there's like not getting to say those things to people you wanted to see and like all those feelings and just all we really have is time and how much do we have really? So yeah. you got to make the change now. Absolutely. So what changes would you say people, I mean, the food, obviously, yeah, where else just, would you say people need to focus? Like moving, constantly moving, like walking, exercising, getting up. I'm a big believer in like movement. I see my dad, yeah. he's 80s, been doing karate and martial arts. And he's just, he's incredible, right? He's yeah, 80 years old. Amazing. He's like a 19 year old. And he's lived a great life. He hasn't, you know, he's lived how he wants to live, but he's just still moving. And 
you got to talk about, you got to get help if there's anything bottled up inside, because I think it also comes down to bottling up things. Like, Absolutely. are you not in a, are you not happy? Are you not doing what you love? Are you totally stressed out? Are you not in a work-life balance? What do you need to do? Because nobody can change that but yourself. Yeah. And like, take the time with your loved ones, embrace every moment because I would have never in a million years ever guessed that this would happen to us ever in a million years. And, and I don't know if I'll ever actually be with anybody else again, because he was my guy. He was my guy and he was the love of my life. And it feels like a dream when I look back on everything now, because it's only been a year. It feels like eternity. And yet it feels like it felt like yesterday only on the actual day of his passing, which was the hardest day of his, of the year for me, actually. Like yeah. I got through all the firsts, but that day was hell. Yeah. And it brought up so much for me that I was overwhelmed and I just called it. Nope. I'm not working. Don't talk to me. Like I'm on a, I'm on a personal day and we celebrated him together, like with us and close family. And it was beautiful but it was so heavy. Yeah. And it was like it was yesterday. But then I feel like I don't even remember what his voice sounds like. I'm going through my phone, like, desperate to hear messages, desperate for more videos. Like, I wanted him to leave cards and do things for the kids. And it wasn't his way. He didn't want to do it that way. So I tried to force him for a long time. He was really stuck on that. because I just can't believe I don't have a card to give my kids on their merit first marriage or graduation or like anything right and my 11 year old has been so angry so angry the anger has been unbearable to live with as a mother I grew up with sisters and I'm not used to this boy energy and actually they say being 11 and losing a parent is actually like the worst time in your life that you could lose a parent because he's going through all the hormones and yeah absolutely yeah so he's he's really it's been a tough go I'm so it's sorry been, oh, yeah man. it's been a tough go so the 16 year old he had he kind of goes more into like the down down in the slumps depression style yeah. whereas Presley starts throwing things and hitting oh, things geez. and punching things <laughs> so it's all he's just pissed he's mad yeah. that his dad's gone he, they were no so kidding. close yeah they were so close and actually what was really surprising is that my youngest was the one that held it together for me and my eldest on the day he's like wow. I he was like, what day is it today? Oh, I don't know what, I don't remember what day it is today. And he's like, it's okay, guys. It's okay. He was the one that actually rose to the day to be the holder of the space for us. Wow. It was crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely connected and now he's got, you know, questions he's asking spiritually and all those things, but, um, I think it's it's forced all of us to really go down the spiritual route too is to a lot of existential questions that 
I feel like that's what I'm struggling the most with now and the meaning of my life now. And if I can help, if I can help one person to make a change and a family to say, get your ducks in an order, live your life now, make lifestyle changes now. Don't wait until you get the diagnosis because this disease it's so let's go back to just quickly the colonoscopies. Yeah, they will not give me a colonoscopy. I've pretended to have all the symptoms just as a little experiment. I can get a fit test, but that's right. not going to show if things if the polyps broken the colon wall. Yeah, right. So this is not working. We need colonoscopies as regular as mammograms. Now they've figured out breast cancer. Yeah. They have not figured out colon cancer. Like at all. They might no. think they have, but they haven't. Based on my experience, they is have it easier for on... men to get them at a certain age? Nope. Really? No. Not at all. So it's actually very difficult to get a colonoscopy. Yeah, if you have the money and you want to go pay for a private right, one, right? Of course, yeah. But they're not giving them out the way they used to. It used to be over fifty, and you get one. Well, now. I can tell you there's been five women from my childhood who have reached out to me while Rod was sick to tell me that they are widows from colon cancer. Oh my God. All at the same age, 42, 43. Like this is crazy. It's not supposed to be this way. Like what are we doing wrong? Why are we getting so the money needs to go to colon cancer now? Like in my opinion, it's like, okay, we've kind of figured out how to manage breast cancer better, how to at least get people living and getting through it. Mm -hmm. But with colon cancer, there's a lot that need there's nothing figured out. And it's so fast. It's so fast. It's so aggressive. It's just so aggressive. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable. It was in all through his entire body. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, a friend of mine a few years back before COVID, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. And um, she was probably 41, 42 at the time. And she had been complaining for about a year about symptoms and they were like no it's just hemorrhoids no it's just this no it's just this and she forced it and she was on the island so like slightly smaller medical system than over in the Vancouver area right and she forced it and they proved it but then when they were in doing the surgery they saw something on another part inside her I don't remember what part but it wasn't showing up on scans so they photographed it and they they re- they recorded it, but because it wasn't showing up on scans, they can't treat it. So she basically now every six months gets a scan and so far she's been clear and it's been several years now, but she just knows that there is potentially something in there growing and until it shows up on a scan and is big enough to show up, she will wow. be able to get treatment. Like the, the system is so messed up. It is. It really is. And so I think we have to find a way to get the funding where it's a regular routine. It's got to be a regular routine and it's got to be younger. 
It's, I mean, well, even I mean, Ryan Reynolds and his yeah. what's what's his what's his buddy's name? His business partner, I can't remember. McElhenney. Anyways, Rob McElhenney. They went and got it and did the PSA for it, right? So I think that like that's what needs to happen. Is it needs to be talked about? It needs to become commonplace, and people need to be going and pushing for it. Absolutely, and I mean, you if you see blood in your stool, if you have anything, you need to go and. Yeah. raise your voice and make them do the tests because yeah. I think a lot of people are, get shy about that right and I mean right. I, I, I wish I could ask him I honestly don't know if he told me the truth I don't right. know if he didn't have any other pains for four it would have taken four years to get to the stage that he was at holy shit did he have blood in his stool like is that one of the symptoms he, he had or tell me just... about that oh, okay all right because people don't talk about abdominal poop, pain right? yeah yeah. Abdominal pain is the only thing you told me. And by that point, it was so far gone. Yeah. And then I saw him lose so much weight all of a sudden. That was the only signs I knew about. I didn't see him in the toilet having no long, nothing, right? Nothing out of the ordinary. No, no signs. So he was either suffering silently and not telling right. anybody or ignoring it himself or until it got too bad to ignore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. It doesn't make sense, right? There's so many things that just don't make sense. But it seems like this is the common string with colon cancer, right? It's that it's yeah. it's silent, it's sneaky, it's aggressive, and you really have to stand up and advocate for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I worked at the Breast Cancer Foundation for like six years. And it's the one thing I learned is if something changes with your body, doesn't matter what, you go check it out right? You just go find out. And so I've become that advocate. And the, the person I know who had colon cancer, she also worked there. So I think she also because she, it was within like the second something changed for her, she started that push. So it was in that eight month period where she had to fight for it. But still, she was within probably that first year of symptoms. Right? So thank God, because mm -hmm. if you don't push, and you're just like, Oh, I guess it's just this thing. And the doctors just say it's this thing. And you listen to them. And you don't trust your gut and, you know, go with that. She would have been in the same situation, you know? Yeah. It was just, she was early enough. Like my kids will have to get colonoscopies at age, starting at age 20 now. They will yep. give it to you if your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Like your immediate sibling or parent has it, then they will yeah. give it to you. But otherwise it's a big fight. And otherwise it's just this poop test, this fit test that. Sorry, but you're not going to see all the polyps that right. are in your right in your colon unless you get in there with a scope. Right. And then they clip them right there if you need to. So it's like, okay, we're going to clip these off and yeah. check you out again. And then you're automatically in for your next one. Well, it's yeah, that's what how it should be. So, yeah, I guess that would be my message is, you know, I, I have a, I have a platform that's a gift. I, I see even in the past year, because during his cancer, I started to do some things like put some things out there, or, you know, yeah. wearing blue, like, let's do this, yeah. let's get screened. I did this photo with toilet paper, trying to just get some attention to it. And totally. then this year, it's only been a year, it seems like, wow, this year, finally, people are paying attention. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Maybe, in, you know, 
because 2030 yeah. is not very far off. I mean, that's seven years away and it's already, I think it's the number two killer in US, but they're saying Jeez. it'll be number one in seven years, right? So yeah, I just, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. And I think that, you know, the message is just to love everybody. You know what I mean? Like be in the moment, love your loved ones prepare for anything and yeah. if you are a caregiver and you are in my boat you have to advocate for your loved one because it was Dr. Sugar that basically if he got into that hospital and was put in there for a long lo longer time than he should have his goal was to get him out as quick as possible so that he mm -hmm. could keep moving and keep living as long as he could right and so that was a big message you know, that I received was just to advocate for your loved one. Like, what do they want? Because I mm -hmm. was very much like, what do I need? Right. But it was, what does Rod need? But now it's like, okay, <laughs> I have all the things now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still grieving so deeply. Like it hits me on all these most inopportune moments. And part of me walks around giving him the finger going like, you left me in this shit storm by myself. Like yeah. I have to basically now make up for your income and my income. <laughs> yeah. I, gotta... I mean, how, how are you doing? Like, how are you, what is, what is the day-to-day -day look like now? Like, how are you making things work? I think he moved puzzle pieces around up there for me. That's the Amazing. only thing that makes sense to me because I had, you know, I've been at CTV and this opportunity came up at Global and my old producer from CTV told me about it. And I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to go back to this industry. I'm after being off for a while. And I took the last, I took the six months, mm -hmm. last six months, I was said to the doctors, tell me when we're at six months, because I'm not working at all. So yeah. I went on, you know, uh, compassionate care you know, EI okay. or whatever it was for that six months. Right. And I really didn't know what I was going to do next. I just, I found that my acting got a lot deeper from my grief and what I was going through. So I was really going down that path. And then this opportunity presented itself. And as soon as they said it's weather and community. And then when I actually talked to global and said, this is my story, my husband just passed. I wasn't silent about it I was very open yeah, in course. my interview and I thought oh there's no way I'm getting this job <laughs> and so when I got it I just it was so weird to me that I was able to be open and honest and I just feel like it's like everything was meant to be and it fit into place and it's everything that we need right now and it allows me to do what I love and amazing I've been yeah and then the other thing too is I'm writing a movie about grief so it's written, wow. it's done. My agent helped me take my idea and screenplay. It's all in a, it's already written. The script is done. Awesome. I have my director. I have, it's called a bird watcher's guide to grief. It's based on wow. a true story. It's how he's been coming to me. The signs he's been coming okay. to me through the birds. Yeah. So it's I've awesome. heard that so many times, like cardinals and different birds. Yeah. But I found a note from him that he left me that says, I'm going to come to you through the birds. He was a bird watcher. We had Amazing. a celebration of life at the bird sanctuary. Oh my God. 
So it's like, it's real. Like it's, it's yeah. full on. even my, it's, it, it's mind blowing some of these. So I started to scribble down all these experiences that were happening. And the next thing, you know, I've channeled this film Amazing. and my, my uh, agent, she, she lost her mom to suicide five years ago and said Ugh. that the birds, she's like, I'm going to write it for you, Steph. I'm going to write it. And so now we're just trying to get it. I'm just trying to find the funding right now because it's yeah. ready to go. It's like, good to go and I'm so excited about the story and I feel like this message is basically pay attention slow yeah. down pay attention and that our loved ones are with us wow yes. right because I do feel him with me all the time like I yeah. do we, we had we made an agreement I said okay McKinnis you're gonna leave me to deal with the kids and everything until we meet again I said you better be sending me signs like the whole time and we made a pact on Valentine's Day last year. And so kind of weird because <laughs> I believe in that stuff. I definitely believe in that stuff. And the signs have been loud and clear. And every time I need something, like, it shows up. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, oh. I, I get so I'm, I'm already an emotional person being an actor. I just, I'm such an of emotional course, person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's overwhelming how grief is just, just hits you sideways oh, yeah. at the totally. like, times when you just don't even, and it's just so final. It's just so final. And it's, I don't know, I guess the hardest thing for me right now is finding how me and my kids are going to find happy again. Yep. Because we're do not you have, there. Do you have any moments so far? Yeah, we've had moments. Yeah. We've had moments, but they're not the same kind of moments. No. That they were with free. their dad. Yeah. No. So I, I really, because otherwise I think, well, what is my purpose now? Because I'd rather... I'd rather be with him on the other. He's obviously, you know what I mean? He's, in a, he's yeah. in a good place. He's in the good place. So it's like, okay, well, what's my purpose now? What I, I feel like everything has to have a purpose now. I mean, now if I didn't have my children, yeah, I don't know what I would be doing. Actually. I don't know if I would be okay, right. but it gives me the strength. And he told me, he said, you have to keep going. Those were his last words. I love you. I don't know what's happening in the world, but you need to keep going and you're going to have to deal with the grief. And I feel like it has been all this just therapist here, therapist there for the kids yeah. trying to find the right fit. Just so much grief. I had no idea what he was talking about yeah. in the time, in the moment. And it's like, wow, just doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. But and it probably won't it'll Work. shift right like the grief will shift it it'll never be gone so. you know it'll it'll shift oh because i haven't been at, down this road before so yeah. i really i really pray that it does shift yeah and i i'm grateful for work right now because that was yeah. the biggest gift this year that was the best thing that could have happened to us this year is me getting back out there and just yeah going for it getting my confidence back being able to talk about this you know like well, and having that panel. platform too right yeah yeah so the, I got right involved in the 
CCRAN, so the Colorectal Cancer Alliance uh, out of Toronto. Mm -hmm. I was on a panel against the doctors and I really went up against them. I challenged them because I don't feel like they don't like having somebody whose person's passed. Yeah. They don't like that. They want the survivors. They want the people who have the grateful people. Yeah. Yeah. Which really ticks me off sometimes because it's like, okay, wake up. This is killing people and young Mm -hmm. people. We're not supposed to die at 44 years old. No, like that's not supposed to be the way it is. I get accidents and things like that. I mean, I'm grateful we had time to say goodbye because we hadn't, that would have been a whole different situation. So, but there, I mean, yeah. So what can people do like for this cancer? Donate, advocate, donate, advocate. I think that, yeah, there's the bum run coming up for CCRAN so you know make awareness wear blue do all the things advocate talk about it you know make sure your kids know if you're about their bodies yeah and that they what to like any changes anything like this let us know talk yeah go talk to your doctor bring it up and um do the lifestyle changes that you need to do like be honest with yourself because I don't think we're really being honest with ourselves. I mean, I don't have a perfect diet. I think it was better than my husband's, but I don't. I don't have a per- perfect diet, right? Like, yeah. I don't. I like my red wine. I like yeah, whatever. I like a salami and cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, who are we yeah. kidding? This is, but it's moderation. It's yeah. It's just knowing your body. And I mean, we only get one earth vessel. So that's it, right? That's it. So you got to nurture it. And that's the message that I hope to get out. And if I can do one small part, then I think that's all I can do. (sighs) Well, I think anybody listening to this is going to make changes and take it to heart and start talking about it to everybody they know, right? Go get your will done. Go yeah. get life insurance. Go to yeah. all the things if you haven't already. Like, yeah, be it. like it's the adult stuff that we often put off, right? I mean, we just got our wills taken care of this past year. You know, it's just, and we've been meaning to, we had them drafted, but then we finally got a lawyer and actually, you know, did it. It's, it's the adult stuff. It's the stuff that might not be as fun, but think of, you know, what if you don't? Yeah. What if you don't? And now actually that's my biggest fear now that I have to work out for myself is I am so paranoid about losing my children and about them losing me. Yeah. So this has become extremely a real fear that I have to figure out how to live with because I'm so afraid. Yeah that I'm going to get sick or I'm going to, something's going to happen to me and who will they, who will be, they be with? Like, yeah. I just, I, I can't even, I, we, we went to camp Carrie last September and we'll go again this year. And camp Carrie is an incredible, beautiful, amazing organization that specializes in grief and bereavement. And we were told to get into this camp and my kids, I have never seen them so connected with other children with 
dealing with this loss. It was the hardest four days I've ever been through because they don't let you have any wine. They don't let you bring your bones <laughs> and you just have to walk through the grief. But yeah. it is, it was so the beginning of our healing journey mm -hmm. and my kids loved it and they connected, but you think, oh, this is the worst. And then you I go to Camp Carrie and I meet every single person had a worse story than me, wow. right? They lost their, they were, they were there because they lost their husband and now they're back because they lost their son. They oh were good. The dog, you know, one of the girls lost two parents. It's just, you don't know what life's going to give you. So if we can control our earth vessel and what, you know what I mean? What we can control, it's time yeah. to wake up and like really take yeah. T pay attention, like really be honest with yourself, I think, and make those changes for your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Because I think he would have made changes for us if he yeah. had known yeah. that he wasn't invincible, which I know he thought he was. Because that's just <laughs> what 42 year old men think. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. So, there we go. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm normally I ask a bunch of questions at the end. I'm not going to. I'm I we don't need to talk about balance and self-care because this is so much more than that. This okay, well, I'm gonna put in the show notes the links to all the places, first of all, that people can learn more about you, but more about um Dr. Sugar and you know where they can make a donation if they so choose. Um, I will even find stuff about the bum run and put the link in so people can take action and actually know, have some ways to, to connect to the cause. Cause I just want to thank you for sharing what you're going through. It's not even what you've been through. It's what you're going through. And mm -hmm. I, I know you, I know you're still looking for what that purpose is, but I can tell you right now, one of it, one of your purposes, if that's a word is this it is getting people to take action and make change and I hope so mm -hmm. yeah prevent. I definitely want to go back to doing more wellness yeah it gave me it felt on purpose and it felt of service Absolutely. and yeah, yeah I definitely want to go back to that because it's yeah I just I love it too it's, yeah wow yeah so thank for you sure. for well, having me I appreciate it so yeah. much and I think what you're doing is great too because well, mom's yeah. a tribe of her own. Too, right? <laughs> There's a whole this is a whole other scale, what you're doing. And I just um I send you my heart and honestly just thank you for everything you are doing and that you will do. And if ever you need anything from me, please, yeah, we'll we're, we're connected. So yeah. Thank you. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.